This is episode four of season two of Paper Cut. For January 19th, 2022. Welcome to episode 14 of Paper Cut, the Nyack Libraries podcast. I'm Rosemary Farrell. I'm Georgia Grandstaff. I'm Tracy Dunstan. Okay, so we have really been looking forward to this episode, or I have personally. Uh, this episode is going to be about books, movies, songs, etc., that make us cry. Uh, and they might make you cry as well. I was reading this thing the other day about why we watch sad movies, and apparently crying does release endorphins in your body. So if, even though it's sad, you get sort of like a weird satisfaction from it as well. Um, and it's funny to think that crying would make you feel satisfied, but it does. It feels good to have a good cry. Um, so we're going to go through and talk about, um, like I said, books, movies, TV shows, maybe a couple of songs that made us cry. Um, I have three trillion, so I really had to <laughs> narrow it down. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll try to get through. I think we all have some really good suggestions. Um, I think Rosemary, you're going to go first. Okay. Yeah. All right. Only Thank you. <laughs> sure. Um, so most of the books that immediately came to my mind were things I'd read when I was a kid, like Charlotte's Web, uh, which I reread as an adult. And I recommend that everyone out there reread that book because it's just beautifully written. It's There's all these parts to it that I'd completely forgotten about. And it it strike think different things strike you as you as an older person than as a child because I I was focused more on um, Fern and her getting older and her you know feeling detached or losing interest in some of the things that she'd loved as a child and there's that passage of time and um, which everyone goes through where um, their interests change their feelings change her dealings with, I, I forget the name of the boy and uh, the, the, those, all those human interactions on the farm as opposed to the animals, which was what much more focused on as a child. But anyway, it's a beautiful book. And the last line of it is just gorgeous. It's, it's so well-written and so elegant and um, funny. It's very funny. And something I noticed, it, there's parts of it, just his sly humor that you don't pick up as a child in certain scenes, I remember. Um, and also the cartoon. <laughs> the cartoon isn't nearly as sad as the uh, book, the original cartoon that used to be on TV when I was a kid. It's, it's a musical, so <laughs> it's a little more jaunty than the book is. Um, and then there was this picture, well, I guess it wasn't technically a picture book. It was for slightly older kids called A Taste of Blackberries, which I think was published in 1973 uh, by Doris Buchanan Smith. I have no idea if it's still in print. I, I probably not. Um, but it dealt with death in a very realistic way. Um, a boy's best friend dies suddenly because when they're out playing, he gets stung, the, his friend gets stung by a bunch of bees. He's allergic. Nope, they didn't realize that because he'd never been stung before and he dies, he asphyxiates. And it's the aftermath of this, I think he's supposed to be at eight or nine dealing with his friend's death. And it, as you can imagine, it was a. Uh, it took a while to get it published because people were, thought, you know, kids aren't going to be interested in this, or it's too upsetting for kids. But it just, 
it's I hope it's still in print because it, it's just very she does a wonderful job um, writing from his point of view. She does it's not moralizing, it's not looking from above. It's like you really feel like you're inside of this little boy's head as he's coping with the reality of things. Um, then Bridge, another children's book, Bridge to Terabithia, which also deals with the death of a friend. Um, it also is just a great one. It's it's one of my favorite children's books of all time by Catherine Patterson. I never saw okay. the film, but you love that book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The movie, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't even, what did you say, Tracy? I was going to say, I, I always meant to read the book, but I never did. But I saw the film, but I didn't know that that was what it was about. So I'm watching this film being like, oh, it's a cute little kid's film. Fantasy, and I yeah. ugly cried <laughs> at the end, but I didn't know yeah. she was going to die. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the book is wonderful. It's totally worth reading, I think, even as an adult. Um, as far as uh, grown-up books, um, Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion, who recently passed away. Um, for obvious reasons, it deals with um, the year after her husband of many years um, suddenly drops dead of a heart attack while they're about to eat dinner in their apartment in New York. And it's sort of about grief. And I would say any, any human being could benefit from reading that book. It's really beautiful. And I read it, I'd read it, you know, when it came out and then my dad passed away in 2018, I read it again. And she just is so wise about how you deal with someone suddenly not being there that you're used to seeing every day. Um, and uh, Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro, is Ishiguro uh, is a gorgeous book. I don't wanna talk, give away too much of the central like plot or the conceit of it because it's sort of slowly revealed as you're reading the book. Um, but at the core of it, it's about what it means to be a human being and an examination of how society treats those it considers marginalized or less than or outsiders and just the, the evil of dehumanization of groups of people and what that can do to a society as a whole, how everyone is affected by it, whether they're directly involved or not. Um, the film I thought was very good as well, although I, I thought the book was better because <laughs> I generally do, but the, the film did a good job, I thought. Um, another book that I read a few years ago was uh, The Friend by Sigrid Nunez, which is this very short, it's almost like a novella. It's really, it also has a lot of humor in it. Um, it's about a woman dealing with her grief over the death of a longtime friend and colleague that she met as a student and is known that like he's an older t a, a professor and that she meets when she's a student and they develop a, a friendship that lasts for decades. And when he dies, she um, he leaves her his great Dane <laughs> to take care of. So it's sort of about, she's remembering her friend and their relationship and how it changed and how he didn't quite adapt to you know modern life as well as she did. Um, and also about taking care of this particular dog, because Great Danes are, and she lives in the city, of course, in an apartment, and she's not supposed to have a dog at all, um, but she manages to do it. And there's just the last couple of, maybe page or two of the book is just com completely undid me. Just It was just devastating. It's really beautiful. It's very like sparely written, but it's just, I don't know how she pulls it off, but 
read that book, <laughs> read any of her books. They're not, they're not all like, going to make you cry, but that book in particular just destroyed me. Um, partly because I wasn't expecting it. It wasn't, it didn't feel like it was leading up to it. Um, and for films, um, besides Never Let Me Go, this is a cliche, I guess it's a wonderful life. I always cry at the end of It's a Wonderful Life and I watch it almost every Christmas since I was a little kid. I just, it's almost like, I feel like someone just pushes a button, the tears come and then, you know, dab, wipe my face and <laughs> my kids look at me like I'm crazy, but I can't help it. Um, oh, another movie I was talking about with, with my children recently that they were traumatized by is Old Geller. And <laughs> as you know, the dog dies. Um, or has to get has to be put down, has to be shot. And I still remember watching that as a kid and like covering my eyes. And then my children, I forget what grade they're in, but they read the book and then the teacher shows them the movie and all the kids are just completely destroyed. Mm. <laughs> well, my kids think that should not be part of the curriculum anymore. I hope they stop agree. that. It's so I, traumatic. It's These children traumatic just, and to make, well, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I remember yeah. in, when you're young like that, you don't want to be crying in front of people. Yes. And I just yes. remember being in like the classroom because they, I, they, they've been doing this for a while and we read <laughs> Old Yeller and then we watched the movie and I just remember being so embarrassed because I mean, it was a room of crying children. Yeah. And it was like, why did you do this to us? <laughs> I mean, it's great, but it makes you cry. I guess that's why we're here today, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, another movie that I, I guess I saw of, probably probably more than three or four years ago a uh, lion starring dev patel who's one of my favorite actors oh my god i love him <laughs> love him i just watched the green knight over my uh, around christmas time and he's the star of that i recommend that as well not because it makes you cry but lion which is based it's based on a true story about a five-year-old boy in india named saru um whose life has changed in 1986, he's separated from his older brother and gets lost basically, and ends up being adopted um, and living in, I believe, Australia. Like he's, he's raised by a white family in Australia. And then as an adult, he wants to try to find his, his biological, at least his biological mother, his biological family. And uh, it's based on the Saru Brearley, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He wrote a memoir called A Long Way Home. And um, the the end of it, I was just a mess, <laughs> a complete and utter mess. And the whole movie is really, I thought, really well done. Agreed. That movie is so good. I cried so hard. Oh, that. I was, I'm glad, like, my, I think I was, I watched it alone in my house. I didn't go to the theater because I still get a little self-conscious if I'm in a movie theater and I start crying. So I was just, I could let it all out. <laughs> it was it was great. It's fantastic. If you need a good cry, that's that's the movie to go to. Um, and then also another film that had this is more of a scene in a movie called the movie's called An Education. It's also based on a memoir by a British journalist. Her name is Lynn Barber. And there's this short scene where um, this I guess she thinks she's about seventeen year, years old. This you know, high achieving senior in high school equivalent in England. Anyway, she's having an affair with an older guy who is sort of a con artist. She doesn't realize that yet. Anyway, she thinks she's sort of putting it, uh, uh, putting one over on her parents by lying to them and going off on these trips where she, you know, their parents are very 
protective of her. And there's this one scene where she's in her room and her dad's in the hallway outside of her room, with the door closed. And he lets her know that he knows that she lied to him. And it's just wonderfully acted and just so, it's so sad. It's just like, you feel the father's like, he's not even angry at her. He just feels hurt. And she starts, she realizes how much she's hurting her parents at that moment because she's sort of caught up in her own teenage world. But the whole movie is really good. It's, I, I loved it. It's called An Education. Carrie Mulligan and Alfred Molina are, Carrie Mulligan plays her daughter and Alfred Molina plays her father. Um, for music, there's just a lot. So <laughs> I'll just mention a couple of them. Um, just the other day, I was, I think it was New Year's Day, which I always get very melancholy on New Year's Day, <laughs> just the way I am. Um, and Don't Worry Baby by the Beach Boys started to play and I just like lost it. I just had a good cry. I felt better afterwards, like Georgia was saying, but that, that song always gets me. There's something about the melody, I think. It's not even necessarily, with music, it's not even necessarily the words. It's just the overall sound and the, and the, the sound of someone's voice, the human voice. Like Nina Simone does a version of Lilac Wine and uh, it's just devastating. It's so fantastic, um, so beautiful and delicate. And then like, I, I cry listening to the Beatles sometimes, even though I love their, I, you know, I love their music and so much of it is joyful. I just, just the whole, they're, oh, my cat. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> just the fact that they existed makes me cry. Cause I think about all the human beings on, planet and in history who've been affected by them. And I, I'm, I'm very uh, sentimental about that. Like when I watched the, the Get Back documentary recently, there were times where I cried and it wasn't necessarily anything that was happening on the screen. It was just like their impact on the world really uh, gets me, but that's it for me. I think Tracy's up next or Georgia. Georgia, well, no, you go I next. I just want to say what you're talking about. It's interesting because, okay, you read, uh, a book like a sad thing in a book and you react to it you're reacting to something that you are like a story and the same thing in a movie there's something going on you see it it's sad you cry but music is different I mean you can just listen to a song and you just have a feeling and it doesn't even always it's not even all the time a song will make you cry but sometimes you just hear something and it, it moves you music moves you so yeah I mean I I understand what you mean like listening to the Beatles and crying, it's not even really that it's sad. It's just like, I don't know, for some reason it means so much to you. And so yeah, you exactly. And it reminds you, obviously, especially with music, more so than with books and movies, it reminds you of things in your past, it reminds you of people, you you have, and it also, because it's dealing, I mean, obviously there's there's lyrics to most of these songs, but that, that affect me, but it's not about the lyrics, it's just the overall sound and, it bypasses all your sort of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Boundaries, like your roadblocks you put up to try to, you know, not be, not be emotional. It's sort of any sort of barricade you have up, music can just like slide right in there because it doesn't, it doesn't matter uh, what language the lyrics are in, or it's, it's just about the overall sound and feel. But I know that it does, it does conjure up music definitely conjures up more memories to me than films and books just and it's very immediate you know there's you don't have you're not interpreting something in my mind it's it's very like elemental because of the rhythm um 
Tracy, I don't have to go next. You can go if you want. I sort of commandeered that, but oh, go for it. No, okay. Um, okay, so my books. Like I said, there's there's many more. I'm sure if I really sat down and did like a deep dive, I could find more. But I'm going to talk about the ones that have made me cry, that stick with me, um, big cries. So the first one is pretty typical cliche, or it's cliche to me because it's by Jodi Picoult, and I think she's just you know she's like an airport writer in a way. Uh, but her book, My Sister's Keeper. Um, books before this one definitely have made me cry, but this is the first one that I remember just really sobbing. Um, just, I, I remember I was in the car with my mom and she was driving, I was in the passenger seat. I must've been in like junior high or high school and she was driving me to dance class and I read this book and I remember crying so hard that I said to my mom, I can't, I can't go to dance class. I just turn around and have to go home. So um, this book is about a family dealing with their daughter's cancer journey. Um, and the main part of the story is how her sister, who has essentially been her bone marrow donor, her every other kind of donor her whole life because they have a genetic match, uh, she starts to struggle with being so involved in her sister's survival. And she decides, you know, she wants to start thinking for herself. Um, obviously, you know, families, cancer, it's a very sad topic. And, and the book is written from the point of view of every family member. You get, you get everyone's perspective on what's going on. Um, but at the end of it, and I, Rosemary, you try not to give away too much of the plot, but I'm going to tell everyone the parts that make me cry. So at the end of, okay. the, at the end of this book, there's an accident, there's a car accident. And the person who passes away is not the person that you would expect. And it just punched to the gut totally totally sad um interestingly enough they made this movie i mean this book into a movie with i think cameron diaz or something like that and i remember going to it thinking i was going to have this crazy cry in the movie theater and it was not that sad so i don't know they kind of know. um lifetimed it a little bit like the movie is very like it's exactly what you expect when the movie, when the book, like you said, it the ending kind of just completely shocks you. And the movie, they're just like, eh, we'll just go with the normal, the usual formula. Right. It was like they they focused more on the 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 cancer journey, and that part was very sad. But then when it came to the part that I felt to be truly sad, it just sort of like I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. I just remember being surprised that I didn't I didn't cry that much. Um, this next one, uh, Tracy, you'll know this moment one hundred percent for sure. So Harry Potter, the seventh book, The Deathly Hallows. Uh, this one's more of a happy cry, but I'm still going to mention it because it does. It makes me cry every single time. So if you're familiar with Harry Potter, great. If you're not, I can't help you. I'm sorry. I'm not going to go into the whole saga of what these books are about. Um, but at the end of book seven, after seven books of just complete struggle for Harry to survive and to find his place in the world, we have the epic battle of Hogwarts, good versus evil. Um, so in these books, uh, I don't cry very often. When Sirius Black dies, I do not cry. When Albus Dumbledore, Albus Dumbledore cry, uh, dies, I do not cry. Um, but at the end of book seven, and like I get chills just thinking about it every single time. Uh, Molly Weasley, she is one of my favorite characters in the book. She spent all these books being the most loving mother, selfless human when it comes to everyone's safety, including Harry's. And then after years of just sacrificing so much and witnessing people that she loves, you know, die and fighting for everything. So, you know, everyone's at this final battle. And one of the evil characters 
Her name is Bellatrix Lestrange, which I think is one of the best names ever ran. Um, Bellatrix, such a great name. So she's battling Molly's daughter, Ginny. And I'm going to paraphrase this because there's a curse word in it. But there's this moment where Molly like sees this going on and she turns to Bellatrix and she points her wand at her and charges her. And she says, not my daughter, you B word. Can't say it. And every time I start sobbing, just thinking about that moment, it's this moment of triumph and redemption for Molly, who's this great character that you really don't even know you identify with and feel and, until the end, you know, like you read this part and you're just like, yes, yes. Anyway, I think she kills Bellatrix. I'm not sure. Tracy, yeah, she kills her? Yeah, she does. Okay. Well, anyway, that moment in the book, it just gets me. It really gets me. And then even in the movie, when I saw the movie, because I, I hated the movies, I found them to be boring and I just, I didn't care about them. What? Uh, but in, I, I know. <laughs> but uh no but even in the movie because they did put that part into the movie and i just at that moment i would be like standing up in the theater like yes go molly yeah that's the best not my daughter oh i love it uh so yeah that's a happy cry uh but i want to put that one in there because everything else is so doom and gloom um so my next book uh and i've talked about this book before so i'm not going to go on about it too much but uh, it's a book called A Monster Calls by Patrick Ness. Um, and it was actually, the book was started by someone named Siobhan Dowd, who I think she's she was a pretty well-known author, but she died in the middle of writing it, or I don't know how much of the book she had completed before she passed away, but uh, the book is about a boy who lives with his mother who has cancer. Uh, he has no friends. He gets bullied all the time. His parents are divorced. And every night he has a dream that the tree outside of his house comes alive and is sort of this disturbing character in his life. And I think is trying to push the boy into dealing with his feelings and emotions. Um, and then at the end of the book, his mother does pass away. He has this real just breakdown, I think at his grandmother's house or something like that. And um, it's so sad and so beautiful. I would really encourage anyone to read this book. Uh, it's pretty short and it's beautifully illustrated and it's just a wonderful story. Uh, just don't read it at work like I did and cry like a baby. Um, so my next one, and then I just have a bunch of suggestions because I can't, I could go on and on. My next uh, book is called Summer Bird Blue by Akemi Dawn Bowman. She's a young adult writer. Uh, she always writes very intense books, uh, but this one to me was the saddest. And this book is about a girl named Rumi who has a whole, she has a lot of problems. Um, but the, the main crux of the story is that her and her mother and her sister get into a car accident and um, in the car, her so her and her sister, their whole relationship was about they used to write music together and write lyrics and you know write these beautiful songs. And they get into a car accident and her sister dies. And her mother, uh, you know, trying to deal with her grief, her grief sends Rumi away to live with her aunt in Hawaii. And, the whole book is about Rumi dealing with that. Um, she's a very difficult character to like. She's really angry and closed off and mean, unwilling to deal with her grief. And in that way, this book actually was very hard for me to get through. Uh, but eventually she befriends this 80 year old man who lives next door to her, who lets her use his piano to write music. Uh, so obviously reading about grief is hard and sad, but at the end of the book, she finally finishes the song that she was writing with her sister in the car, the day that they got into the accident. 
And the song, uh, the lyrics are just every time it just makes me cry so hard. It's just a really, really, really beautiful piece of writing. Um, uh, so just, just the uh, other books that were on my list that I'm not gonna get into, but if you're listening, you could still uh, check these books out. Um, here's an adult book. It's called Here is the Beehive by Sarah Crossan. Um, Train I Ride by Paul Mosier. Uh, this is probably more of a children's book, but it was very good. Um, a book called What I Leave Behind by Allison McGee. Uh, this one probably makes everyone cry. Loser by Jerry Spinelli. Did you read that, Tracy, when you were a kid? Yeah, it's really sad. Um, Sarah's Key, and I'm sure you all know the scene I'm talking about that makes me cry in Sarah's Key. I think they also made that into a movie, although I did not see it, and I will not because I'm sure it's horrifying. Um, and We Are Okay by Nina Lepore, which is another really great portrayal of loss and grief. Um, so now I guess uh, I'm not going to go too on, on too much about uh, music, uh, but I will say that there are two songs that always make me cry. Uh, the song, okay, uh, the artist is Sharon Van Etten, and the song is called 17, and it's about this woman looking at, I'm assuming it's maybe her daughter or just like a 17-year-old girl that she knows, and she's saying, I used to be just like you, look how free you are, and um, it was just, it's beautiful, but it makes me cry because it makes me think about getting old, which is sad. Uh, and the other song that always makes me cry, and this is more for personal reasons probably, but Forever Young by Rod Stewart. I hear that and I cry. It's it's, it's sad. Um, it's a good song. Maybe you wouldn't think it'd be sad, but I think it's a little bit sad. Um, so that, I have. Hey Georgia, is that yeah. is that a cover of the Bob, of Bob Dylan "Forever Young" or is it his own? I'm, I think it's a different one. Yeah, because yeah, Bob Dil Bob Dylan has a great song called "Forever Young" that does make me cry. Well, it's, now I need to write this yeah, down. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty. Yeah, it's one of those looking at your kid writing a song about your child and right. how free and lovely they are. Yeah, that that destroys me, now, especially now that I'm a parent. Right. Not so much when I was a teen, not so much when I first heard. I was like, yeah, but now I can't, I think, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, Forever Young, Bob Dylan, I'll have to listen to that one. Uh, and I'm going to list four movies that make me cry. Um, the first one, and I cried the entire movie, and this movie is long. Uh, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. It's like three and a half hours long and I cry for every moment of it. Just the whole, there's themes of getting older and younger and, and love and not getting to be with the person that you love and then the person you love not remembering you anymore and that just, those are all things that I, I just absolutely can't deal with. So I cry that whole movie, plus it's a great movie. Um, I actually, now that I think about it, it's based on a short like a novella so I don't know why the movie is so long but um that's a really great one plus Brad Pitt you get to watch him get young and really good looking and it's great so uh the next one that makes me cry probably makes a lot of people cry uh the notebook obviously I mean that book the book and the movie are both very sad but you know it's about how uh this man reading uh him and his wife's love story to her when she can't remember it she's in a home and she has i guess alzheimer's or dementia and um so that obviously is very very sad very beautiful very cliche i know uh dear john is another one that always makes me cry it's another nicholas sparks book turned movie um the the movie is a love story about him and this woman and they don't work out i think and some people to me that's not the sad part the sad part of the movie is 
this the, the Mananite soldier and his father. I, I want to say that he has some sort of autism or something. His dad is a very strange man. He's always had a very odd relationship with him. But at the end of the movie, um, his father is dying and he, you know, talks to his father about, you know, what he's done for him in his life and how he thought other things in his life had meaning, but really his father had meaning for him. Anyway, the whole relationship with him and his father is uh, unexpected and beautiful and it makes me cry every time. And the last one I'm going to mention uh, is Toy Story 4. I don't know if anyone has seen it. Tracy, I don't know if you saw it. I'm asking you because you're like younger. Um, I saw but, three and I sobbed and I couldn't, I just was like, I'm not going to see the fourth one. <laughs> four is even worse. Oh. Just, it's really, because it's about Woody and Buzz, they go on a last adventure together, I think, and then at the end, they separate like, permanently. They like say goodbye to each other and it I can't do it. Is, nope. <laughs> I, and it's funny because when I went to see that one, it was a bunch of people my age there taking their kids to see Toy Story, I'm sure because they, you know, they like Toy Story. And I remember looking around the movie theater, every single adult in the theater was just hysterically crying. And the kids were kind of bored. They were like, oh, right. Like, what's this long drawn out goodbye about? But it was really good. (laughs) It was really, really good. Plus, I love all those movies. But Toy Story 4, I cried the whole time. Uh, Okay, I'm sorry. I know I just talked a lot. Uh, Tracy. It's a podcast. You're supposed yeah, to talk. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're supposed to talk. <laughs> okay. um, so, yeah, I guess I'll go, I'll go next. Um, this is, like, not so much. The older I get, the less I like this genre, but it really was, like, that was, like, my jam when I was a kid. Um, and a slightly personal note, my father died when I was young, and ever since then, I've always been kind of into sad things. I'm not really sure why, but so I loved the Laureen McDaniel books growing up, but they are awful. I've read them again. They're just like the worst. Wait, what best. are, I am not familiar with this. They're like, you would take a character and then she would kill him off and it would just be like, it would just change the story. Like the, the plot would be different, but it would be basically the same thing every time. And I remember like the librarian in my school was like, are you okay? Why do you keep taking these books out? Um, I think that when you, when you're grieving something in real life to read about something else sad, it helps you work through that. So I, I understand it. I don't and it helps it helps you make feel make helps make you feel less alone like you know this yeah. is something that other people have felt especially when you're a child and you might not quite understand that exactly and people yeah 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 I always like, like my friends didn't quite get it so it was like I could read these books and be like okay well at least I can kind of go through it I guess right reading them but we re- I read the I read one again like maybe 10 years ago and they're just they're really bad, but it was fine for the time. Uh, I still have them packed away somewhere. Um, and then another childhood fav- sad favorite is the book series. I'm not sure if you ever read it, Animorphs. Um, no, because I watched this. Sh- I saw a few episodes of the show. And when I saw that you put this down, it haunts me to this day. The show? Yeah. I thought it was incredibly sad. Like, what? what's it about? It's about these kids who they... There's like an alien invasion and people are getting taken over by the aliens and they get powers to turn into animals to help stop the invasion, which is completely something I would never normally read because I'm not really a sci-fi person. But for some reason, my cousin, I think, was reading it. So I got into it. Um, It is really sad because it's like unlike a similar series like Babysitter's Club, like another thing that was around the same time. It's like it doesn't really wrap up nicely. Like they kind of just all die at the end. And it's just 
spoiler alert. Oh, they um, do? Oh, basically, okay. they go off. It's like kind of ends like, you ever watch Angel or like that kind of yes. ending where they go yes. off to fight and it's like, you know, they're all going to die, but yes. it doesn't quite show they're going to die. Okay. It ends like that. So it's, and they're all messed up because they had to fight these, these um like fight a battle when they were 13 to 16 or 13 to 20. Right. I, think it was. I, so, I really don't remember why I thought it was so sad, but I remember thinking like, this is, this is, this is for adults. I'm not watching it. <laughs> But there was that guy in the TV show, the really cute guy with the red John Ashmore. Shirt. Yeah. 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 So that's yeah. why I remember watching it, but no, it was horrifying. Yeah, that was also it. why I watched it as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, some adult books, uh, Our Town, for some reason, anything that's like the passage of time or like looking back on your life and not realizing how great it, like it always gets me. So like, it's one of my favorite plays and it's about this fictional town called, I mean, I think everyone's had to read it in school but uh this fictional town called Gover's Corner and it's in the 1900s and this the girl at the end is looking back at her life and realizing that she didn't take take it she took it for granted and the end just always like stays with me and always makes me sob every time I've seen it um another really I think it's I think it's an adult book it might be a young adult book but it's called All Fall Down by Sally Nichols and she also has another book where she writes in the point of view of a child dying of cancer. And that book is also really Whoa. sad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was telling my sister about it the other day. I was like, I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I never want to be in the head of a child dying. That's just like, so it was the saddest. It was really, really sad. Um, but this book's sad too, because it's about the black death in 1349. And I read it before the pandemic. So I'm curious how I would feel about it now. But even then it was, it's literally the saddest thing I've ever read. Um, but it's really good writing and it's, it's relatively short. I, I'd recommend people check it out. Um, film wise, uh, Avalon, it's about this one, several generations of one family in Baltimore from the 1910s to 1950s. And they're all really close in the beginning. And um, as time goes on, introducing of the tele television and people getting their kind of like, you know, like American society kind of changes during that time to be a little bit more individualistic, a little more separate and all the, the families break apart in the end one of the brothers who was so close to his family in the beginning is all alone in a nursing home and no one's coming to visit him. And he's just like, if I knew things would no longer be, I would have tried to remember better. And it just like makes me sob every oh, time. Just hearing about it is yeah. sad. It's like a long, young Elijah Wood with those big eyes and he's upset because his grandfather's in the home and it's just, it's super sad movie. Um, this one, um, Anne Frank, The Whole Story. I, it was a miniseries back in 2001. And it goes a little bit beyond like where the, I think all the other films kind of end where the diary ends. This one goes to when she's in the concentration camp and oh boy, it just yeah, yeah. really got to me for obvious reasons. And it kind of yeah. shows all the other people too and what happens to them. And then just having that all together and watching it, it's just, I haven't been able to watch that movie since. Um, Castaway, oddly enough, I didn't really like the movie, um, but the scene where he's screaming for Wilson Anything where a guy's alone yeah. or someone's like completely alone and like without society or without people and those kind of movies always, I can't watch them. It always gets to me. So I, I sob during the Wilson scene. I'm not really sure why it's a volleyball, but. No, um, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it was his friend. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Cause like when I remember hearing about the movie I'm like oh there's no way this is going to get to me you know it's just so cliched but it did it did because partly Tom Hanks did a, a good really good job like acting that bit and I'm not a huge Tom Hanks person but he really he went for it <laughs> he yeah. went for it yeah um the tv wise and did any of you watch this is us 
No, because I know. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty emotionally manipulative show. <laughs> exactly. I'm not doing that to myself. But there's one episode called Memphis where one of the characters, um, he's he's dying and his son, it's a whole thing. I'm not going to explain the whole background because it's complicated, but um, him and his son travel to his childhood home and like anything with like, I guess like the, the unfulfilled potential because he was a drug addict and he missed out in raising his son. And like, there's also another character named Nikki who's similar background and it's just like the unfulfilled potential. And then when he's dying, he's just like, I'm he's like upset because he like, he's upset that he missed out on all the things he could have done with his life. And it's just so sad. And it just makes me ball that complete entire episode. Um, if anyone checks it out, it's episode 16 of the first season. And then the wonder year season five season episode nine, um, the Christmas party. And I recommend that the reboot is actually really good too. Um, but this is of the original one back in the nineties and they're having a Christmas party and you think it's just like a normal episode, but it's about like how, because your parents are getting older, you're getting older, like things that you love when you're a child and that are really important, like they're, they, they're going to end one day and you're never going to do it again. And it's just like that whole thing is just makes me sob because they're just like, you know, because I think the father dies at the end of the series. And it's like, it's not that it's necessarily bad, but the fa- like the fact that, you know, this like Christmas party that his parents used to have every year and all the families used to come and everyone was young and vibrant. And then like, they're like old and nobody wants to come it's just it's really sad I don't know aging is sad yeah it is it's a topic that quite frankly I'm obsessed with um but it I I agree with you it's like anything like that like the passing of time change it's just it's I find it to be very depressing so yeah it's so funny that that what that episode stuck with you yeah like even because I saw I mean I must have been maybe not that old like maybe eight or seven when I saw it because it was like 93 I think it came out but for some reason that episode always stuck with me and I watched it again when it was on Netflix and I'm like sobbing again I don't know yeah and just like having your just because you know my you know everyone's parents get older and just the fact that your parents get older and they're gonna eventually that whole thought just makes me sob so yeah (laughs) and then the last two were just like um six feet under the last episode I think that's oh yeah yeah that's just great episode and just that makes me sad too and um if anyone watches Downton Abbey um I don't want to give it away but the fifth episode of season three when the characters die and that's just really sad because it's unexpected and just I don't know made me cry too I don't have any songs though I can't really think of anything song wise maybe forever young the anyone if you ever watched Parenthood there's a, the last episode there's a song a version I think it's a Bob a version of Bob Dylan's song that's they, yeah that's the Bob Dylan song but it's not sung by Bob Dylan but yeah, yeah. That that's, one made- that's his song yeah that one I yeah. that one makes me sad yeah I remember reading about um I don't know if it was someone maybe it was someone I knew anyway a musician singing that song at his son's like bar mitzvah it's like how did you get through without mm-hmm. just having a total nervous breakdown <laughs> and he said he barely <laughs> barely made it through the song um and the kids are they're all having fun they're all 13 and yeah it's all that stuff it never ends <laughs> you worry about your parents and then when you have kids you you like there are sometimes and I think this is why I always get sort of sad on New Year's Day is like remembering when my kids were smaller and I love them as obviously as teenagers or whatever age they are but there's I would give anything to like have them be seven and five again just for a weekend just to like hang out with me and think I'm the greatest 
person. Or maybe it's just a prop of my ego. But, you know, you just, it's, that's, but that's part of being human. And I try to sit with it, try to, try to meditate on it. I know it's, everyone goes through it, but um, yeah. Plus, I um, imagine you just miss, you know, them being so cute. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You think, you think it's tough then, and then they get older and you're like, oh, <laughs> it's a whole different ball game. Um, okay. So we have promotions. Uh, so we're very excited about the programs coming up in February to celebrate Black History Month, including two devoted to the book and film adaptation of The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. And um, the book's discussion with special guest panel takes place on February 17th via Zoom. And we'll be screening the film on February 23rd. Hopefully, I'm counting on it being live in the library's community meeting room. And uh, let's cross our fingers with that. The first 25 people who register for either of these programs receive a free copy of the book and the DVD. Um, these two programs and two others in May are paid for by the ALA grant Libraries Transforming Communities. And just in case anyone doesn't know, um, by the time this podcast comes out, we are not having, well, right now we're not having any in-person meetings or live programs. And um, through, the, through the end of the month of January, and we're hoping that in February that will change. But stay tuned, check the website. And our next episode is gonna be about retellings, um, which should, I'm excited about, I think should be fun. Um, if you, in case you don't know, retellings are typically a new version of an old story. For example, an author might tell a new story based on a popular fairy tale, or they'll include a modern setting or a minor character's perspective or create a mix up of a bunch of different genres like Bridget Jones Diaries, um, this book that I just got, we did a library swap and I just got it, the Violet, These Violet Delights, which is about Romeo and Juliet or, you know, Wicked or stuff like that. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, there's a bunch of really great um, novels out in the past couple of years based on Greek Greek and Roman mythology, different mm -hmm. goddesses like Circe and uh, or Circe, and there's a few uh, there's a few others. It became and Shakespeare as well. There's have you read some good retellings? Have you read Circe, Rosemary? I haven't read it yet. It's been one of the books on my list. I've had so many people recommend it to me, and uh, I want to sort of indulge. Maybe before we we record, I'm gonna indulge in just take out these, I think there's three or four books in that realm and, and read them all before we meet up again so I can talk about them. Well, that would be fun. Um, okay, so as always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Naya Library. You can visit us on Facebook where we put up updates about things going on in the library, etc. facebook.com slash Naya Library. You can check out our website, nyaclibrary.org. We have a YouTube channel, the Nyack Library from Home. And if you want to contact us, you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, you can email us at info at nyaclibrary.org. I'm George Grandstaff. And I'm Rosemary Farrell. Thank you for listening to episode 14 of Paper Cut. Yay. Great job. <laughs>